Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 495. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey, how's it going? It's going, it's going okay. You know, I, I don't really have any complaints at the moment. Good. How about How about you? No complaints. Nice. Good, good, good. This week on the show, we'll be talking about Alexander Payne's latest, The Holdovers. We'll also be going over some of we're watching on the watch list. And this week's new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, new Save by the 90s came out uh, like, a, like last week. And we have our lineup uh, ready to go for our Made for TV Christmas episode that we're going to be recording next week. So I'm pretty excited about that. I get so jazzed up over these made for TV Christmas movies that we do every year. <laughs> it is so much fun. It's a, a tremendous holiday uh, tradition that we've developed. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so let's get into our review this week. We're talking about the holdovers. As I mentioned, this is directed by Alexander Payne. I have a synopsis here. A curmudgeonly instructor at a New England prep school is forced to remain on campus during Christmas break to babysit the handful of students with nowhere to go. Eventually, he forms an unlikely bond with one of them, a damaged, brainy troublemaker, and with the school's head cook, who has just lost a son in Vietnam. Kevin, we'll start things off with you. What were your initial impressions of the holdovers? Uh, yeah. I got to say, I was pretty excited for this because I am a sucker for Paul G. Mai mm -hmm. yep. in a, a curmudgeon. Yeah, yeah. And especially if that curmudgeon is like an intellectual. I... Here. And it's just, I don't, it's fun to watch. Like, it's just fun. I will, I, I will agree with you on that. And I will also add that I always kind of, I like the the New England prep school vibe and the fact that it's in the seventies too. Um, yeah. That's just like the this just everything about the setting is something and that, that yeah and Christmas. So like man, definitely the the vibe the vibe check on this one is a hundred percent for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I was just a hundred percent in because of everything, and I love that it's a team up of essentially him and. Divine Jordan Randolph, just those two are the adults that are left with these uh, kind of asshole rich kids. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they, it turns out that one of them is more than that. Because I was a little bit worried at first because I was like, man, these other kids are really fucking annoying. <laughs> and then they get rid of them. So thank God. Because I got to say, for me, surprised that Dominic Sessa... I thought it was fantastic in this. I don't even know who he is. Neither do I. Not familiar but with man. him. But man, he he dominated this movie. Yeah. Uh, he was a very complex character. A uh, lot, lot of layers going on in this one. Uh, th this was... I don't, I don't know why I expected it to be a little uh, like more lighthearted than it was. Um, I, I don't know why I thought that. Like I, I knew it was Alexander Payne, so I knew that there was going to be a like sort of a, a a melancholic undercurrent but this is a pretty depressing movie <laughs> like it, mm -hmm. it's pretty it's pretty heavy uh in a lot of ways now that's that's not to say that it, it's not funny because it is actually very funny 
At least I thought so. I enjoyed yeah. the I enjoyed the, the comedy in it quite a bit. Um, but yeah, there's just there's a lot going on, man. These these characters, each one of them have you know their own kind of uh, troubled past that that you that gradually becomes revealed as as the film progresses. There's no like there's no exposition dumps or anything like that. Like you learn about the characters very organically. And I, I liked that. I think that everything, just everything in this movie is, is just extremely well done. It's very well shot. The, the performances are on point. I love, uh, divine joy Randolph. She's great in, uh, only murders in the building. Mm-hmm. And she's, I mean, Man, she, that the holdovers at fucking Dolomite. She fucking killed it. Yeah, I mean, she's a scene stealer for sure. Like she, she just, just dominates every role that she's in. She's so good. I wasn't sure about her accent in this. Her accent kind of comes and goes in this, which is kind of weird. But that's really the only kind of quibble I have. Um, yeah, I, I, I was one hundred percent on board with this movie. I from from the the outset actually when it, it uses the mm. uh, the old the old intro. The, like the universal um, intro yeah. and I just man the I love oh, uh, yeah love those dude, opening titles dude the whole opening of this you know you got the location is gorgeous the shot compositions are gorgeous it's fucking snow you know you got everything you got everything that you could want from an introduction into you know New England Christmas at a boarding school it's shot on film uh, yeah I was just, just I was gonna say it, it looks so good. Like that whole like slight introduction with just like the Damien Gerardo song playing mm-hmm. and just, you're just like, yeah, I, I want to spend the next two hours here. Yeah. The, the authenticity of this, like it feels like a movie shot in the seventies. They did, they did such a good job and there's like little subtleties in the performances that to me make it feel like, I mean, specifically with like Dominic Sessa's performance where I don't know how to like completely articulate it, but it, it felt like the dialogue was written from a perspective of somebody writing a movie in the seventies, if that makes any sense. Like the way that it was, the way that they spoke, the way that the dialogue was delivered, it felt mm. like I was watching a movie that was actually shot in the 1970s. You know, like things, that, that, things that's a point is that that does happen occasionally when you're watching like a period piece and someone will say something. You're just like I don't know. If yeah, I don't think that's time appropriate. It was like specifically one one thing that uh, that like kind of really accentuated it for me was like when the when the kids like the the four boys like when they were interacting with each other like it felt like a '70s movie like the way that they would bully each other and stuff like that like it just felt very authentic to me and. I, I I really liked that. I also just any kind of movies that like take place in an academic setting in the seventies and have that kind of like folky score. I I'm like kind of into that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like I mean, the, the, you know, you got some flutes going here and then it's, it, it, it just really did a really good job with the score too. I just like you. The idea of you like slowly like perking up in your seat, like oh, it's an academic setting. You you perk up a little bit, yeah, and then it takes place in the seventies, and you're like, oh, uh, 
and then as soon as a flute comes in, you're like elbows on the knees, like yeah, uh huh, uh huh. Yep. I like this. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> the flutes bring you home, huh? There's, I don't know, man. There's just a, there's like a really, there's kind of a coziness to this movie that really, there did, is, there, that, that there, really there did it is. for me. Because you know it's like yeah. snowing and storming most of the time, and they're they're kind of. They're they're in this school, which is a it's a large prep school, but they're kind of um they're isolated into certain areas because they turn off the heat in this the school for the for the winter break. So they're pretty much stuck in these like small areas of the school. So th- that kind of adds to the the coziness of it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta say I was I like I had a feeling that I was going to enjoy myself. Like I said, Paul Giamatti, like, you know, seeing like the little bit of clips that I saw of him in this, I'm just like, well, if anything, I'm going to enjoy my Giamatti time, right? I'm at least going to get that. But I got to say, I, I, I came out of this liking it and enjoying it a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah, same. Um, I like Alexander Payne. I think I've liked pretty much all the movies that I've seen of his, I haven't seen downsizing. I know that that's like a lot of people hate on that one, but uh, I've seen most of his other movies and I, I like them all to varying degrees. Um, none that I outright didn't like. And, but uh, with that being said, like I kind of went into this one with not really any kind of expectations. Like I saw the trailer and I was like, Oh, that looks, that looks pretty, pretty decent. Uh, you know, academic film, in the 70s looks like maybe some coming of age elements you know people learning from each other it it, it seemed yep. it seemed like you know from the trailer you can kind of gather like oh this student's gonna you know teach teach the teacher the teacher's gonna learn from the student yeah mm-hmm. they yeah uh, they're gonna learn things they, they had some preconceived notions mm-hmm. and assumptions of people and those are incorrect I mean, like, yeah, and that's part of this movie is, like, even as I was watching, I'm like, you kind of know, but yet, even with it being as predictable as it was, it was still, yeah, I mean, because well, it was just, it was executed so well. Yeah, it's all about the journey, and, like, the like the scene when they went to Boston and stuff, like, it just, that they do a lot of interesting things, it's not, it's not very, it's not dry, I mean, it's got a good pace to it. And where where things go, I mean, th- th- these are just really endearing characters. Like all three of the main characters, you want to learn more about them. And and the fact that you kind of get drip fed these little bits of information about who they are and you know what brought them to this place, and uh, it, it was all just really interesting. Like that, I, I I was kind of endeared by the whole thing, and like again like lots of lots of deep you know subject matter here like you have you know vietnam happening you have there's you know class issues here with like the fact that you know paul paul giamani is like a teacher at this prep school he went there but he has this kind of uh disdain for these rich kids and then everything like there's issues with mental illness there's issues with you know death uh like all of these things abandonment um so lots of lots of really big topics that it 
gets into and i think that it all does it very tactfully and uh and i think also it it does it all very organically like you said yeah there's there's no bullshit like messages tacked on or anything nothing feels forced it all just kind of you know it it just it feels very natural because these are issues that all of us as people deal with you know and i think a lot of times these these issues are all exacerbated over the holidays and that's something that that happens in this and yeah i just think it's just really well made it's just really well done no i i 100 percent agree yeah it's it's uh it's really solid so highly recommend it it's available on vod right now it's one of these uh it's like a premium vod thing but um i i would say that it's it's definitely worth it if you've been doing your christmas shopping you probably got those promotional credits oh yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. a couple Mm -hmm. bucks off on that that rental there yeah yeah save up those uh amazon things you get all right let's go ahead and give it a score kevin what are you gonna give the holdovers man i give this like a seven and a half maybe i think i'm non-committal on every single rating i've noticed that (laughs) I can't pick a number anymore. I'm committing to an eight on this one. Uh, very, very little as far as criticisms on it. I had a really great time with it. I don't, I don't know if the the rewatchability is very high on it, but everything else, man. I don't know, man. Like I feel like this could, could be. A it good, could be. It, it could be a Christmas is it like that Christmas rotation. Mm-hmm. You could put it in the Christmas okay. rotation, especially if you wake up one morning and it's snowing outside. Man, pop the. Yeah, the the only thing that would hold it back for me on that is like it is it is a bit lengthy. It is over two hours, but that's that's why I'm saying the snow. You're not going anywhere. True, true. Good you point. Got snow coming down. Pop on the fireplace. Get a cup of hot chocolate. You got two hours to spare. Also, I gotta say, like, you know, they 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 establish like, okay, we're not getting any new food orders in until after the the winter break. So whatever's in the kitchen, that's what we're gonna have. The meals that she made looked so good to me, especially the like the Christmas, uh, like the Christmas the ham, the, yeah. the dinner. Oh my god! <laughs> like I, I was, I was salivating over that. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but you spiral a ham. Oh man! Oh my god! Yeah, if that ham's not spiraled, I don't fucking care. I don't want to see it. Get out of my face. You spiral it. I'm in. That's the good stuff. Yeah. Cool. Uh, remember, all right. You remember how you used to put like some brown sugar in between each spiral? Oh yeah. Oh Glace, my god. Glaze that. Mm. Oh god, yes. Man. Oh, so hungry. All right. That's, oh yeah. <laughs> that's the holdovers. Check it out. Let's uh, let's talk about some of what we've been watching, uh, Kevin. It is your turn this week, <clears throat> I believe. Oh man, I got another Christmas movie for you. One that I just uh, learned of recently. Can't remember where I learned about this, but I'm glad I did. It's on Tubi. Where else would it be? It's from 1961, directed by Quentin Lawrence. It's called Cash on Demand. This is a Christmas bank heist movie. Hell yeah. Okay. And it's kind of like a, uh, it's like a play on a Christmas carol, but as a bank heist. I'm loving the sound of this. Yeah, Peter Cushion, he's the bank manager. He's an asshole. He's Ebenezer Scrooge. He's just a piece of shit. He's just everything that you expect 
you know, from an Ebenezer Scrooge bank manager type, right? And, you know, starts his day off, everything. Andrew Mor- or Andre Morel comes in. He's the charming bank robber, but he disguises himself from the, uh, like, the insurance company. Like, he's doing, like, he's testing them, like, about their, you know, their procedures and their security and all those things. So he kind of has that, like, presence of, like, you guys have to, you know, be on your best behavior. And then, of course, he parlays that into, I'm actually robbing you. None of these people are going to help you because they fucking hate you. And let's do it. And it's just this taut 80 minutes of him. Like, he has uh, Cushing's family held hostage. And it's just, it's very methodical. It's it's action-packed, but there's not really action. It's just, like, all dialogue, like, back and forth. It just, you know, just this, like, meticulous, well-thought-out bank heist. And it's just, it's fantastic. Yeah, this sounds... I recommend it enough. This sounds great. Looks great. Um, I only saw, I think, one movie of note. And, but it's a big one. And that's Godzilla minus one. Uh, uh, yeah, here we go. This is directed by uh, Takayashi Yamazaki, who, uh, sorry, Takashi. I don't know why I said Takayashi. Uh, this is the guy who did the did Returner, if you remember that one. Uh, what Returner? Yeah, from two thousand two, the the one that was like the Matrix ripoff kind of, with lots of bullet time and crazy CG everything in that one. I remember liking the Returner a lot. He also did the the Parasite um, adaptations, the live action adaptations, and uh, Lupin the Third. I just want to say there's something about that Returner cover. Like I'll never forget it. It's so ridiculous. If you just show me, <laughs> it's so I mean, ridiculous. Even if I was like 72 years old and you show me that pose, I'll be like, oh yeah, Returner. <laughs> that was an, an over the top one. But anyway, uh, Godzilla minus one. Feels significantly different than Returner. We'll just put it that way. Uh, this movie is incredible. It's easily one of my favorite movies of the year. Probably might be my number one as of right now. Uh, it takes place uh, directly after World War II. So it's like kind of in the waning. It begins in like sort of the waning days of World War II. I think it's like 1945. It starts in. Um, so you have this uh, like very recent kind of post-war setting where there's like you bombed out cities and villages and stuff. And on top of the, the citizens just trying to rebuild after the war, uh, you got Godzilla coming in and uh, mm-hmm. running them. He's Godzilla's running amok. And they did such a good job of, Harkening back to the to the OG, the original, like the 1954 Godzilla, where it just it feels authentic and kind of vintage um, with the with like the setting and everything. But at the same time, obviously, you know, bringing bringing the the, the technological advances into it as well. Uh, the movie's gorgeous. Like it just the the sets, the, the the design work looks awesome. The sound design is freaking amazing. Um, and of course, the the action, the kaiju action here is out of control. Like some of the best Godzilla set pieces I've ever seen. The heat vision that he has in this is 
so freaking crazy. Um, this is definitely one of the best kaiju movies I've seen overall. Uh, it puts any of the English language Godzilla movies to shame. Like it's not even anywhere close. Shin Godzilla might still be my favorite, but this is very, very close. Um, I mean, it, it just, it hits all the right notes. It's, it's huge. It's a big emotional, loud movie that has a lot of, a lot of really deep character work in it too. The, the main character is someone who he was a kamikaze pilot and he, uh, he basically chickened out and he's been like grappling with the fact that he, you know, betrayed his country and not only that but he pretended that he had a like a a a problem with his plane so he landed at this this uh little airfield where they had mechanics fixing the, the planes and that's where godzilla first attacked and everybody died uh all the mechanics were killed except for like one and then this this one guy so he's dealing with that also so there's, there's this like sort of PTSD element to it and then he he ends up meeting with this uh this this woman who finds an orphaned child and they start raising this this child so there's like that element as well there's a lot going on here beyond the Godzilla stuff and that's kind of how a lot of these um Japanese Godzilla movies are and and I mean that's how Shin Godzilla was and that's one of the reasons I like Shin Godzilla and that's sort of how this one is too but there's still plenty of big action sequences and they're nuts and Godzilla looks incredible I highly recommend this go see it in the theater if you can it is 100% worth it to see it on a on the big screen Godzilla minus one I love this movie. It's so good. You're going to love it too, Kevin. Hell yeah. I'm very excited for this. Um, and another movie that I was very excited for, for different reasons, but I finally saw the watchmaking movie, Unrest. Oh, the Swiss yeah, yeah. Movie from, uh, several Shaoblin. Uh, the original title, Unru, because that's what you call a balance in a, in a mechanical watch. It's called the Unru wheel, which means unrest. This is about a this like cartographer socialist from russia that visits this this little town in the swiss jura mountains that's kind of like it's known like the the main thing is watchmaking like that's all this area does it just produces watches it's like what everyone's job is it's like their main export it's everything for this for this area and while he's there he you know he's working around these uh all these workers and everything all the workers are kind of like anarchists because it's kind of playing off of that idea of uh watchmaking is as you can imagine extremely meticulous Mm -hmm. and is really regimented and you know so what would be the opposite of that that would be anarchy and that's what these these employees want and this is at a time where the and the reason that i'm watching this or that i finally did it is because i'm kind of doing the same thing but not as uh intrusive or as domineering as it is in here but like the workers are like walking around with like stopwatches 
and timing people and like how long it takes them to do something and trying to like increase productivity. But the thing that that I found really interesting for me, like I don't think this movie's gonna be for everyone, but for me, like all of the tools and stuff that are used and it's a it's a group of women that are making like balance wheels. So the hairspray, you pin it at the collet onto a balance wheel. Everything that you have to do, it's a very lengthy process. But all the tools that they were using to do it are the same tools that you essentially use today. So as soon as they got out the tools to like vibrate a hairspray, I was like, oh yeah, I have that tool. I still use that same tool. It's the same fucking thing. And then they were like pinning it at the collet, and I was like, yep, that's exactly how you do it. That you still do it that way to this day. It's crazy. Which is insane because this takes place in like the 1800s. Yeah. And it's just like all the technological advances that have happened. And it's like, yep, nope, they're doing exactly everything the same exact way that you do it now. That's wild. And that's it, it was it was weird to see like in a movie where it's just like, oh, yeah, I was doing that yesterday at work. Heh. That's weird. Well, cool, that's undressed. I don't have anything else. Oh, OK. I got I got Violent Night, another Christmas movie. The one with uh, David Harbour? Yeah. People Santa Claus? Yeah. What'd you think about this one? So this came out on Amazon Prime, and I figured this is going to be, this will be a good Friday night movie, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't it be? And I got to say, man, I was surprised. This is the right amount of ludicrous, stupid fun that I was hoping for. Like, it's ultra-violent, but it's also over-the-top and silly. And it's violence, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't know. Like it, had just the right amount of comedy for me, that it just worked perfectly. It's so dumb, and I loved it. Yeah, I had a great time with this movie. I, I really enjoyed Violent Night. It was, it was so much better than I was expecting, and just all of the action worked so well for me. Especially that, like you know, Santa's main weapon is the hammer. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Why? which is fantastic and then the uh the uh the chimney trick was something else because god that was disgusting <laughs> that was so it was so incredible. crazy i i love i loved that that scene <laughs> i want to this might be one to, to add to my holiday rotation actually because this yeah. one's just so much fun it is it, i i thought it was fun as hell I was chuckling throughout. There's a lot of chortles coming through that one. <laughs> uh, the only other thing that I saw of mention, because I, of course, did my rewatches of It's a Wonderful Life and Prisoners and, mm-hmm. you know, all the all the holiday staples. Uh, one that just decided to throw in there, because it's holiday times, is 2000 Maniacs from 1964, Herschel Gordon Lewis. Yeah, uh, uh, classic Thanksgiving madman crazed for carnage and i don't know what it was about this movie i don't just like the depiction of it or like how everything like played out i don't know if it's just because it's the 60s 60s violence always seems i don't know there's always this like uh because it's so like low budget Mm -hmm. a lot of times it it kind of feels like you're watching something that you shouldn't be watching. Yeah. Like a snuff film almost. Yeah. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It's really, it's unsettling. And this one is even more unsettling because they do some fucked up shit in this movie. 
that I was not prepared for. Yep. In 1964, too. Yeah. They're just chopping limbs off, barbecuing it, just having a barbecue with people. Would you be drawing quarter a guy? Like, this thing, this movie was brutal. And it was, it was unsettling. I found it really disturbing. Yeah, I think, I think this is a classic in a lot of ways. It's a horror, horror classic. Yeah. I mean, it's annoying in some parts because of the the acting. Yeah. It's a bit much, yeah. especially the, some of the Southerners just really playing it up. Oh, yeah. A little bit they are of having a time. Hicksploitation. Yeah. Yeah. But, man, like the twist at the end. <laughs> Normally, you're like, that's dumb as hell. But this us is like, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly what I wanted. Fucking Tubi. Where else would you see this? Tubi. Where else? A Tubi probably does have snuff films on there. You just you just don't. don't. Yeah, they're just they're just buried deep. They're buried deep. That's where they got their start. Tubi. Fucking. That, there's probably curse shit on there. I imagine that there there is there's there probably is. Cool. That's uh, 2000 Maniacs. Herschel Gordon Lewis. Check it out on Tubi. All right. Let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. Uh, I believe the main the main one looks like it's uh, Poor Things, which uh, you know is the new Yorgos Lanthimos. Pretty excited about this one. Any excitement coming from you on this? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Although I will say, I don't, I don't know. I think the days of going to movie theaters is over for me. Nah, something will get you back in there. No. Just such a long drive now. How what? How long is it of, of a drive for you? It's like a thirty-minute drive oh, or more. Okay, yeah, it's fifty-three minutes for me. So, ooh, <laughs> so, ooh. <laughs> I, yeah. So it's it's got to be something special to uh, to get me to to go at this point. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, that's the big one. Um, there's a couple smaller ones from the look at of it, but I don't know like what is getting any kind of wide release. So we'll just, we'll just move on and talk about VOD. Starting with December 5th, we have America's family. That's a documentary. We got betrayal. looks like a war movie. We got Werner Herzog, radical dreamer. It looks like a documentary about Werner Herzog. Interesting. Uh, Pet Cemetery Bloodlines is getting a regular VOD release that came out on Paramount Plus uh, back in October. Uh, Abigail is coming out. Bullies beware! Abigail is here and she's got an axe, so she's gonna oh, yeah. maybe kill some people with an axe. I don't know. I don't even know, man. But you better beware if you're a bully. Yeah, I would be. I would also be beware. Uh, Everyone will burn is coming out. That's one that I caught. I feel like it was forever ago. Uh, it's pretty, pretty good, pretty wild. It's creepy kids, creepy kid movie. Uh, I think it, I think it's a Spanish film if I remember correctly. But uh, I also remember it being pretty good. Uh, Subject is coming out. Not sure what that's about. It looks like a camera lens here, so maybe it's about maybe it's a documentary about documentaries. I don't know. I just love that you know the the movie titles are getting so bland and boring that it's just subject. Yeah, <laughs> seems like subject. a placeholder. 
Uh, cool around to it. Better Days is coming out. Raging Grace. Ra- oh boy. Raging what? Grace. What is that? That's this? two things that don't normally go together. An undocumented Filipina immigrant lands a job as a care worker for a terminal old man securing a better life for her and her daughter but dark discovery threatens to destroy everything she's strived to hold dear i'm I'm fairly certain i've seen this movie but i don't think it was called raging grace i was gonna say this i mean i like i for sure sounds really familiar i for sure saw a movie that i mean i don't i don't see was it ever called something else? Let me see here. Or maybe it's a remake of something else because I for sure saw a movie that has like this exact same plot line. Uh, I don't know. I feel like that that is a, we've had a lot of our movies revolving around, you know, like immigrants or undocumented workers. Yeah. That could be the thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I, I'm, I'm kind of watching the trailer here, and I, I, it doesn't actually look familiar. But man, I'm, I for sure saw a movie about an immigrant worker who was hired to take care of somebody, and it no, was a horror movie. The secrets, the dark. Yeah. Huh. All right, whatever. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Uh, also on the eighth, we have the Three Musketeers. Uh, there's a subtitle in here to this. What is the subtitle? D'Artagnan. The Three Musketeers, colon, D'Artagnan. Well, that's just one. Well, it's part one, so... Oh, they're gonna go through all three? I... I guess so. What is it? Fucking origin stories of all three? Is that what they're doing? Goddamn trilogy origin stories? Get the fuck out of here. God. Yeah. (laughs) I guess that's what it is. I don't know. Uh, Fast Charlie's coming out. The Portrait, All Souls, Lord of Misrule. What is All Souls? A young confidential informant is sent on a dangerous undercover operation. It's a no holds barred look at the vulnerable foot soldiers of the war on drugs and the young criminals who are pressured to work for the police. Mm. Sounds like a David Ayer movie to me. And then Lord of Misrule, when the daughter of the town's new priest goes missing during the Harvest Festival, a desperate search begins, uncovering the town's dark history and resurfacing tales of a mysterious malevolent spirit that demands sacrifice. Sounds exactly like that Dark Harvest movie. It sounds like <laughs> so many movies. This, every town has a dark secret, and it always gets unveiled during the, the Harvest Festival. Yeah. You know, because the harvesting, and then whoops, you're harvesting something that you didn't want to. Souls. You're harvesting souls. Oh, God. And they're all, it's, it's all darkness. Mm hmm. Yep. That's what it is. Uh, so that's pretty much it for VOD. Let's take a look at Blu ray this week. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny coming out. I still haven't seen that. I don't, I mean, I'll probably catch it at some point, but pretty low. Pretty low on my priority list. Young Guns is coming out in 4K. I'm a big, I'm a pretty big fan of the Young Guns movies. Mm, Office Christmas Party, <clears throat> The Kill Room, um, 
Tokyo Pop from 1988. Mm, Blackula from 1972. That's, oh, All Jacked Up and Full of Worms from last year. Not a good place to be. I haven't seen that movie. It looked too gross for me. Like, it just didn't. Yeah, it sounds gross. It didn't didn't really look like one of those, just something that I'd be into. What about Criterion's? We got two. Got two for you. Got Blast of Silence from 1961. Swift, Brutal, and Blackhearted. New York City Noir. Yeah, can't count me on doing that. I mean, that's been on Criterion for a while. I just, I always forget about it. And then you got uh, Terrence Malick's Days of Heaven coming out again. The old 4K. Nice. That's a classic. Love that movie. Classic. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcastfilmpulse.net. If you could consider reviewing us on iTunes, that'd be great. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.